one, just a few weeks, because then Christmas comes. Uh, but uh, it's going to be a good one, I think, not because I'm doing it, but because of the subject and the things we're going to see in Scripture. The series is called But God. And if you've spent much time in the Scriptures, you're familiar with that little phrase, but God. Because you can be reading along often, and there's some situation that's being described, or some circumstance, or uh, maybe some people uh, being um, talked about, and then you come to these words, but God. And what we're going to do, because that little phrase is so important in Scripture, it needs to be paid attention to, we're going to spend uh, three or four weeks looking at uh, some places where that phrase uh, comes up, and uh, hopefully it'll be helpful to you. Um, the phrase, but God, really has a way of shifting our attention to needful, necessary truth, and it's usually truth about God. We're reading along, and then it says, but God, and all of a sudden our attention is shifted to him, something about him. I mean, that in itself makes the phrase, but God, pretty significant. The phrase always presents a contrast. The word but is there. So there's always a contrast in that text when you see, but God. Contrast between what was before that phrase and what comes after it. The phrase uh, usually takes something in a different direction. You're reading about something, a situation or a person, something that's going on, and all of a sudden it says, but God, and it's like it takes you another direction, which is important. The phrase, but God, always gives us the last word in that text, the last word on the subject. Circumstances do not give us the last word. Our ways and our thinking are not the last word in anything. And the phrase, but God, in a text, always ends up having the last word. God has the last word in those texts. And the phrase, but God, usually changes everything. It, it just changes everything in whatever it is you're reading. And so we're going to look at uh, some of those places where the phrase, but God, comes up. Um, whether you know it or not, life is filled with but God moments. A lot of times we don't recognize it. A lot of times we don't acknowledge it. A lot of times we're not looking for it. But life is filled with but God moments. And uh, we need to pay attention. Uh, you probably at times listen to the radio or, or TV and you hear this weird sound. And then either on the screen or audibly you have this message. This is a test. Okay, um, <clears throat> this little mini series of three or four weeks is going to be a test, all right? Because there are many but God situations in Scripture. 
The test is, I want to find out if after looking at three or four of those places, you think it's worthwhile to spend more time looking at but God texts. So in about three weeks, I'm going on my annual personal retreat to plan next year's preaching and teaching um, ministry. And this little series is a test. If you think we should look at more of those but God passages next year and have a longer series somewhere in the year 2023, you have to let me know. If I hear nothing from you, I will decide, well, set that aside for next year. But uh, if, if God really ministers to you and you want to hear and see and think about more of these but God uh, principles that we'll be looking at, uh, you're going to need to let me know because this is a test. It's a test to see if it's something you feel we should spend more time on. Okay? So we're going to look at the first but God principle, uh, one of the examples uh, this morning. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the time already this morning. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for um, the time to come to you in prayer. Thank you for the chance to give to you and to your work. Thank you for the chance to see each other. Uh, Father, we look forward so much to these times together. And now, Lord, we also thank you that we can go to your word and you can speak to us. And as we begin this series, I pray that you would um, help us to really understand these principles and the difference you make in every situation, in every place. Father, we just ask that your spirit would use your word today. In Christ's name, amen. Turn with me to 1 Samuel. Chapter 16 in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 16. This is where we'll find our first but God principle from Scripture. 1 Samuel 16. This first but God principle comes out of verse 7 of 1 Samuel. Uh, 16. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So our first... um, But God principle in this little mini-series is this. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. See the contrast? See how it changes everything? This principle contrasts us and God, people and God. This principle says we have the tendency as people to look at the outward appearance. And then what we tend to do is make judgments 
and come to conclusions, right? Based on outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. That's quite different. It's a contrast between the outside and the inside. People look at the outside, come to their judgments and conclusions. God looks at the heart. That's what he's concerned about. So that's our principle. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. This principle has an original context. It's in 1 Samuel 9 through 16. We have the context here of how that principle uh, is presented. There are four main characters in the context of this principle. We have a man named Samuel. Samuel was a prophet of God. Uh, we talked about him uh, this past summer in our series on prophets. Saul is a character in the context of this principle. Saul was the first king of Israel, anointed by Samuel the prophet to be the king. Then we have a man named Eliab. Eliab was the oldest son of a man named Jesse. And then fourth, we have David. David was the youngest son of this man named Jesse, and as you know, became the second king of Israel. Those are the four main characters in the context of how this principle came to be presented. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You can read uh, chapters 9 to 16 on your own and, and see the full context. I just want to point some things out. Back in chapter 9, we're introduced to Saul, this man Saul, who would become the first king of Israel. And verse 1 of uh, chapter 9 says, There was a Benjamite, that would be the tribe of Benjamin, a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish. So this man Kish was a man of standing, whatever that means. Uh, maybe it had to do with wealth. Maybe it had to do with uh, uh, power, authority. Maybe it had to do with his position in society. Um, but for some reason he's called a man of standing. Important man. And when we look at uh, verse 2, it says, Kish, this man of standing, had a son named Saul. And it says, Saul was as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. So if you were to meet Saul, if you were to see him in some setting... That's what you would see. You would see a young man who would get his picture on People magazine as the most handsome man in all of Israel. Tall, dark, and handsome. And also from a family of standing. That was Saul. And so as you read on, People of Israel wanted a king, and so Samuel anointed Saul 
Why not? He was very kingly looking. He came from a family of standing. He was good, royal material. And so Samuel anoints him as king. And Saul was king of Israel for quite a while. But as we find out through his reign, Saul had some issues on the inside. He was a proud man. He was a man who often disobeyed God. And every time he disobeyed God, he had an excuse. He never owned up to responsibility. He blamed others. Saul was really into his own image. How people saw him. And eventually, God had enough of that. And God decided that Saul's reign was over. And so God sends Samuel to Bethlehem to this man named Jesse because one of Jesse's sons is going to be the next king. And Samuel is to go and anoint him as the next king. And so we come to chapter 16. Now that's a quick journey through six, seven chapters here. But we come to chapter 16. Samuel has come to Jesse's home there. Uh, Jesse has gathered his sons. He had a lot of sons. And it says in verse 6 of 1 Samuel 16, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. Eliab was the oldest son of Jesse. And he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. This is the guy. This is the son of Jesse who will be the next king. But I want you to notice a couple words that you might not see as significant in that verse. In the Bible I'm using here, it's the words saw and thought. Now that I've pointed them out, let me read it again. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. What would he have seen? The outward appearance, right? He saw Eliab. And based on what he saw, he thought. He came to a conclusion, right? He saw, and based on what he saw, he concluded what? Surely this is the next king. Had Samuel not learned a lesson? And it's after Samuel came to that conclusion, whatever he saw, maybe the idea that he was the oldest, Eliab, maybe that he too was tall and handsome, who knows. But in verse 7, the Lord says to Samuel, don't consider his appearance, that's what you're doing. You're basing this on what you see. 
Don't consider his height. For I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. And here's our but God principle. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so uh, you may know the story. I mean, Samuel says, do you have any more sons? Because God was saying no to Samuel as he went down the line to every son. And Jesse says, well, we have one more. He's the youngest. He's just a, a young guy. He's out with the sheep. His name's David. Call him. They call David, and you know the story. God says, he's the one. He's the one. Notice verse 12. Something really important here. So Jesse sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Now notice that. It's not wrong to be handsome. It's not wrong to have a pleasing outward appearance. What's wrong? To come to judgments and conclusions only based on outward appearance. Even David was handsome. But the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. We know why, right? In Acts 13, in the New Testament, when Paul is going through this story and relating it, he tells us that this young man, David, was a man after God's own, what? Heart. You see, people look at outward appearance and make judgments, come to conclusions. But God looks at the heart. God must have looked into the heart of Eliab and said, Samuel, you're wrong. You can't make this judgment on the basis of his appearance. I look at the heart and I choose David. He has the right heart. So that's the context of this but God principle. And it's a principle that's repeated often in Scripture. I mean, this isn't the only place you see this idea. Um, Solomon, King Solomon in 1 Kings 8, he says to God, You alone know every human heart. You know every heart. God. King David himself in 1 Chronicles 28 says, The Lord searches every heart. The Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2 says, God tests our hearts. And you can find many more statements like that in Scripture. God looks at the heart. That's what he's concerned about. People look at outward appearance. God looks at the heart. That's the but God principle. Turn with me to the book of James. Um, James, the writer of that epistle, teaches on this same subject. James chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, James 2, 1. 
He says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. Now, what's he describing about these two men? Their outward appearance, right? Verse 3, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You see the outward appearance and then you make a judgment based on that. And you end up elevating someone. You end up putting someone down. Totally based on outward appearance. <clears throat> and James calls that evil. Discriminating on the basis of outward appearance. And here's the way he wraps that up in verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism with the context based on outward appearance, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. <clears throat> James is saying the same thing. You cannot judge on the basis of outward appearance. You cannot judge somebody. You cannot come to a conclusion totally based on outward appearance. Jesus taught the same principle. If you take a look at John chapter 7, <clears throat> John 7. <clears throat> Jesus knew what it was like to be judged on the basis of outward appearance. He knew what it was like. And in uh, John 7:24, he makes this statement to the Jews. Stop judging by mere appearances. Because that's what they were doing with him. You know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? They saw that he came out of Nazareth, made a judgment. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Therefore, he's not good. He can't be who he says he is. Is this not the carpenter's son? They judged him on the basis of appearance, the outward. In fact, in Isaiah 53, if you're familiar with that prophecy of the suffering servant, the suffering Messiah, in verse 2 it says there was nothing about his appearance that made us attracted to him. We always portray Jesus as this fine-looking, handsome Jewish guy. And Scripture says there was nothing about his appearance that would cause us to be attracted to him. How can he be the king when he looks like that? Jesus knew what it was like to be judged on the basis of outward appearance. And so he says, stop judging by mere appearance. 
Instead, judge rightly. Because judging by mere appearance apparently is not right. So Jesus taught the same thing. And he experienced this, being judged by outward appearance. Later on, he says what I quoted earlier. He says to some people, with your lips you worship me, but your heart is far from me. Kind of shows the principle, right? By outward appearance you're worshiping. But God looks at the heart, and your heart is far from me. Later on in Matthew 23, where Jesus really lays into the Pharisees, you know that passage. He talks about how on the outside they appear, it's the word appear, they appear, outward appearance, to be righteous. But inside... The heart, he says, is wicked. Outside, they look like these beautiful white sepulchers. Inside, it's dead bones. The difference between outside inside. If you looked at a Pharisee or a scribe from the outside, you would make a certain judgment if that's what you went by, their appearance. You would decide they're really spiritual. But see, God looks at the heart. And Jesus said, inside their heart, it's totally different. People look at outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. Every one of us has experienced this. Every one of us has experienced both sides of the violation of this principle. Probably every one of us has judged people and come to conclusions about people totally based on outward appearance. Admit it. We all have. You say, well, I'm just a people watcher. I like to sit at the mall and watch people walk by, you know. Or I like to sit at the dentist or uh, doctor's office and watch the people in the waiting room as they come and go. I'm just a people watcher. Well, it's okay to watch people, but watch out if you start judging them and coming to conclusions about them strictly based on what you're seeing. We've all done that. We've all violated this principle. We judge people. We come to conclusions strictly on the basis of outward appearance. And I would guess most, if not all of us, have experienced the violation on the other end as well, where we have been judged And people have come to conclusions about us based on outward appearance. I remember one time when I was on the receiving end of this, I was just a young pastor in my 20s, my early 20s, before I even got here uh, in our first church. And in that area, uh, in Walker, Minnesota, there was a TV station an affiliate of one of the networks. I can't remember which one it was. But the neat thing was, um, every morning, they would break away from today's show, Good Morning America or something, and there would be a five-minute local uh, thing where a different area pastor would give a devotional uh, for a week. So Monday through Friday, five devotionals, and the pastors would take turns. 
And I remember when it was my turn to be on TV, I would go in every morning and I would do these little devotionals. And back then, of course, I was young, um, uh, early 70s. And I had fairly long hair over my ears. Couldn't see my earlobes. Now you're going to try to picture it, right? But I had longer hair. And I wore this chain with a cross. And after a couple days doing this devotional on that TV station, I started getting some letters in the mail. Thank God it was before social media. (laughs) But I got a couple, three letters. And uh, I don't think any of them were signed. But every one of them focused on my hair length and this chain I was wearing with a cross. And accusing me of being liberal, worldly, um, you know, all, all those things. And I remember how that felt. To be judged by people strictly by my outward appearance. They saw and they thought. They made judgments. You see, people look at the outward appearance. But thankfully, God looks at the heart. We, uh, <clears throat> we worshipped at another church, a church in Wisconsin, I won't name the church, last Sunday. It was an interesting experience. First of all, it was a great service. Um, we were glad we were there because they had a special speaker who really uh, was an encouragement and inspiration. But it was interesting. Never been to that church before. We, we went in. We sat down. They sang a song. And then they said, greet the people near you. And uh, Janine and I stood there. And finally, we decided to greet some people. Nobody greeted us. Nobody came to us. So we greeted the people sitting in front of us. And then I walked across the aisle because I was on the end of the, the pew. I walked across the aisle and there was a guy over there, probably from the church. And I went over to him and he looked like a, a deer in the headlights. You know, He looked like, what's happening here? I walked up to him and I shook his hand and I said, uh, hello, it's good to see you. <laughs> yeah. And he just didn't say anything. It was like, you know. Now, I don't know if I was being judged by appearance. If it was just as simple as by appearance, I didn't look familiar. And based on that, he didn't want to enter in. I don't know what it was, but it was a weird feeling. May you never have that feeling here. But I don't know what it was. You know, maybe it was outward appearance. Um, I don't think it would be what I was wearing, uh, what Janine was wearing. But 
it might have been just as simple as by outward appearance, we were not part of that church. They didn't know who we were. Nobody asked our name. Nobody said they were glad to see us. I told this guy I was glad to see him. Um, But unfortunately, that happens in churches. Based on outward appearance, we make judgments and act on those. So, um, we know and we agree with this principle, right? We know this principle. People look at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We know that. We agree with it. In fact, we have sayings. We have sayings like, looks aren't everything. Looks can be deceiving. You can't judge a book by its cover. Not everything is as it seems. We even have sayings that prove we understand this principle and we agree with it. That you can't judge people and come to conclusions just on the basis of outward appearance. We know that. And we agree with our first but God principle. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And even though we know it and agree with it, we struggle to consistently follow this principle. We do. Why? Have you ever asked yourself, why do I do that? Why do I so easily judge people, come to conclusions about them, based on outward appearance? Why do I do that? Well, a basic answer would be, you know, it's our old self. It's, it's the flesh. And for some reason, that's what the flesh wants to do. That's what we've been trained to do. I don't know what it is. Is it pride? Is it... Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I do know it's wrong because Jesus said it's not right. I do know that it's a sin. That's what James said. To judge people based only on outward appearance. And unfortunately, a lot of times, when we do this, we end up in, in some way putting people down. It seems to be the most common judgment we make when we uh, judge people based on outward appearance. The most common thing we do then is in our minds we, we kind of put them down. It's usually a negative judgment or a, a conclusion we come to. I heard somebody on the radio this week say, let's not look down on others unless we are admiring their shoes. Okay. But it is typical when we judge based on outward appearance that we do end up with a negative conclusion. And I wish that weren't true. But we do that. 
Aren't you glad God doesn't do that? Aren't you glad God looks at the heart? Oh, maybe sometimes you aren't glad he looks at the heart. But aren't you glad we have a God who looks at the heart? That's what he's concerned about. It's not your outward appearance. It's not the clothes you wear. It's not your jewelry. It's not your hair. It's not your tattoos. It's not your social status. It's not who your parents are. It's not where you live. It's not what your job is. It's not outward appearance. People look at outward appearance and make judgments. But God looks at the heart. That's our first but God principle. Two applications of this but God principle. I'll suggest these two, but I also want you to go before God and ask him how he might want you to apply this. But I'll give two suggestions. First of all, concerning others. If all you have to go by is the outward appearance, hold back in your judgment. Got that? If all you have is outward appearance, don't make a judgment. Hold back on your conclusions. Jesus, in uh, Matthew 7, made a statement, and unfortunately Christians like to throw this at people when they defend themselves, but it's still important. In Matthew 7, 1, Jesus said, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Then he says this, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's interesting. The Greek word there translated measure is metron. We get the word metronome from that Greek word. What's a metronome? Right? You musicians? What is that metronome doing? It's setting a standard for the rhythm or the timing of the song, right? It's a standard you go by, metronome. Well, the Greek word here translated measure is metron, standard that's followed. So what is Jesus saying? He says, don't judge For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged the measure you use will be used to judge you. If you judge, if that's your measurement, outward appearance, and that's how you're going to judge people, look out. That's the way you're going to be judged. It's going to come back to you. And it doesn't feel good. So make sure outward appearance isn't your only metron, your own measure, only measurement. 
your only standard for coming to conclusions about people. So, if all you have to go by is the outward appearance, hold back on your judgment. You see, our standard should be the same as God's, shouldn't it? And what's his standard? The heart. And that takes time. Judging on the basis of outward appearance, that's quick. That doesn't take a lot of time. Like Samuel, we see and we think. Obviously, God knows our heart instantly. Takes us a little longer. But I just plead with you. Take the time to get to know people. Take the time to know their heart. If all you have is outward appearance, hold back the judgment and just pray for them. You know, in the waiting room, you may never see them again. In that mall, you may never see them again. But when you see them, the outward appearance, don't make a judgment. Pray for them. Because God knows their heart. Second application that I would suggest, and this is more personal. The first was about others and how we tend to judge others based on outward appearance. If God pays the most attention to your heart, Maybe you should too. If God pays more attention to and is more concerned about your heart than your appearance, maybe you should be more concerned about your heart than your appearance and how you appear to others. See, we're so locked into wanting to make a good impression and appear to be something maybe that we're not, you know, to others. Well, God's more concerned about, pays more attention to your heart. So maybe you should too. Maybe I should too. And there's plenty of scriptures about that. Guard your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Love the Lord with all your heart. The things in your life come from your heart. Address your heart. God pays attention to your heart. Maybe you should too. So, the first but God principle. People look at outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. May God show you what you need to do in response to that principle. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you, Father, for reminding us about yourself. You look at the heart. And you've reminded us about ourselves. We tend to look at outward appearance and then make judgments. Father, help us. Help us to learn not to do that. 
We want to be like you. Give us your eyes. Help us take the time to know the heart rather than to be so quick to make judgments based on what we see. And Father, we need your help in that. You're the only one who can change us. Please do that, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and worship with us.